Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Piano Rhapsody Podcast, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow my journey as an amateur piano player, with the end goal of playing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Every week, we take a look at one of the pieces that I encounter along the way, exploring the history surrounding the work and the music inside. The goal is that we all walk away appreciating music a little bit more and with a little more musical knowledge that we can carry forth in the future to tackle more complex works. This is episode 7.1, the first episode in a brand new series. We visited Bach in the Baroque period, Beethoven in the Classical period, and now we are going to spend some time with Chopin in the Romantic period, roughly spanning the years 1825 to 1900. This was the era where the piano began to take center stage and become the most popular solo instrument of the time. Its creation and cultivation during the classical period was finally complete. Everyone who could afford it had a piano in their home, and many schools and conservatories dedicated to music education were developed during this time. Instead of being dominated by a select few, There were a host of prominent composers during the Romantic period writing solo works for the piano. One of the most popular was Frédéric Chopin. Up until this point, composers had mainly written works for patrons, but now composers tried to reach a wide audience. While the classical period composers simplified the ornate compositional rules of Baroque counterpoint, the Romantic era composers took this trend one step further. Music became even less formal and structured, instead leaning on the emotional expression of the composer. While personal flourishes certainly exist with composers in the past, I think it becomes much easier in the Romantic era to distinguish individual styles. Way back in episode 2.2, We talked about how Chopin transformed the idea of a prelude into a standalone miniature expressing a mood, and that idea reflects the overall theme behind Romanticism, the expression of an individual's internal feelings. Chopin wrote almost exclusively for the piano, and although he lived a brief life of 39 years, he made a significant contribution to piano literature across a variety of forms. Preludes, waltzes, mazurkas, polonaises, nocturnes, etudes, concertos, ballades, scherzos, and even a few sonatas. For the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at some of these different forms that Chopin employed. And since we already talked about a few of Chopin's preludes in a previous episode, we'll save those for another day. There's really no better place to start than at the beginning, right? So today, I thought we should talk about one of the first surviving pieces that Chopin ever wrote, at the age of seven, no less, the Polonaise in G minor. Chopin grew up in Poland, but his father, Mikołaj Chopin, was French. His father was a teacher of French language and literature at the Warsaw Lyceum and also ran a boarding school for boys to supplement his income. Despite his French origin, Mikołaj demanded that the family spoke Polish, and fully embraced 
Polish nationality. Chopin's mother, Justyna, was the first one who gave Chopin piano lessons, starting at the age of four. He used to climb up on the piano bench next to his older sister, Ludwika, to listen and learn as much as he could from her lessons. By the age of six, Chopin started to surpass his older sister's talents, so his parents decided it was time to hire a private teacher. By the time Chopin was seven years old, his title as musical prodigy was fully formed. He started giving public concerts and composed two polonaises, one of which we are going to devote this episode to. The Polonaise in G minor was published by Chopin's father in 1817 and dedicated to Lady Victoria Scarbeck, who seemed to be a family friend of the Chopins and witnessed the birth of Frederic, a possible explanation for that dedication. This Polonaise wasn't given an official opus number, as juvenile works generally did not merit this distinction. The publication also invited Chopin's first public review, published in Pamiętnik Warszawski in January 1818, and it was glowing. Here's an excerpt. The composer of this Polish dance, a young lad of eight, he was actually still seven, this is a reporting error, is the son of Mikołaj Chopin, a teacher of French language and literature at the Warsaw Lyceum a true musical genius. Not only does he play the most difficult pieces on the piano with the utmost facility and good taste, but he is also the composer of several dances and sets of variations, which the connoisseurs cannot admire enough, given the composer's young age. Had this young lad been born in Germany or France, he would surely have attracted the attention of all social milieu. May this mention serve as an indication that geniuses also arise on our soil. It is just that the lack of broad publicity conceals them from the public. With a reception like that, Chopin was the young toast of Poland, already being labeled as the successor to Mozart. Soon he was playing at all of the salons of the Polish aristocracy. The sense of Polish pride that his father instilled in him at a young age will remain with Chopin for the rest of his compositional career. So let's dive into this ocean of work with one of his first publications, the Polonaise in G minor. The Polonaise is one of the five historic national dances of Poland, and it's actually the French word for Polish. Like most of the good dances throughout history, it began as a peasant dance, and then gained popularity among the nobility. Polonaises were popular during carnival parties, as well as being the first dance at a studniowka, which would be the Polish equivalent of prom. It's a dance in 3-4 time, meaning that it has three beats per measure, similar to a waltz, another dance that we've talked about on this podcast. The Polonaise has a traditional rhythm that I'll play for you here. Remember that the meter contains three beats per measure. Keep that in mind. We'll hear this rhythm pop up throughout the piece. 
This polonaise is composed in two parts, with a central trio section. The piece opens with a fanfare, including a declaration of the traditional polonaise rhythm, which is set in the home key of G minor. Did you catch that polonaise rhythm? Next, Chopin includes this arpeggiated flourish, which spans four octaves and requires hand crossing that blows my mind that a seven-year-old could not only play this, but I have to keep reminding myself that a seven-year-old wrote this makes me feel really accomplished in my life as I struggle to play this in my 30s. Seven years old, writing that. You know, I remember when I was seven. I wrote a story about a worm that was serially killing birds. It's not quite the same level of artistry. Part B of the Polonaise opens in a similar fashion to Part A, but swaps the key to the relative major. We've learned in prior episodes that to reach the relative major key from the minor key, we need to go up one whole step and then one half step. So if we start at G minor, we go up a whole step to A, then up one half step to B flat. So now we are in B flat major. The major key here provides some contrast to the A section, even if the sections are otherwise similar. Let's hear the opening to the A section once again in G minor. And compare that to part B in B flat major. And once again, we have that example of a traditional Polonaise rhythm. From here, the B section utilizes a melody line played by the right hand that ends up jumping over the left hand and jumping back. It seems like Little Chopin included this part just to show off during a live performance. Can you picture yourself watching this child play this work that he wrote all himself, when all of a sudden in the middle of the piece he starts playing cross-handed? About all that's left to do is start playing with your feet. And that part's coming up next. <laughs> just kidding. This hand jumping might also be traced back to Prince Michał Ojinski a military hero who liked to compose music when he was not on the battlefield fighting against the Russians. Ojinski was a national hero to a generation of Polish boys, including young Chopin. He wrote over 20 polonaises for the piano, in which he liked to employ this same crossed-hand technique. So this might be Chopin's way of paying an homage to his hero. Up next is the trio section. The name trio originated with minuets, where the middle section was routinely cut back to only three instruments playing, as the name would suggest. 
with solo piano works, we're obviously not able to cut down the instrumentation. So trio sections typically translate to a lighter central section of a dance or a march that provides contrasting material. The trio in this dance keeps the key of B-flat major from part B with a jumping, almost playful melody. Generally, trio sections are a minor part of the total composition, but here it's a pretty hefty part and takes up nearly half the piece. After the trio, we head back to a repeat of part A in the original key of G minor. Once again, we hear the Polonaise rhythm and those sweeping arpeggios. Closing out the piece with the final chord in G minor. So there we have it, one of Chopin's first compositions, a juvenile work at the age of seven, a polonaise with the form A, B, trio section, A. I'd say it's fairly sophisticated, aside from a few parts where it seems a little show-offy. But as they say, if you got it, flaunt it. I don't blame the kid. Here is Chopin's Polonaise in G minor, in its entirety.
A Stately Polonaise, a traditional Polish dance, by a seven-year-old Chopin. A solid start to our survey of Chopin's works. Next week, we'll take a look at a form that Chopin made famous, one of the hallmarks of the Romantic period, the Nocturne. The standalone recording of this piece can be found directly in the podcast feed. If you'd like to reach out to me or have any questions, feel free to reach me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or by email at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. You can find all of the recordings heard on this podcast and more at the Piano Rhapsody SoundCloud page. And if you're interested in expanding your classical music knowledge to orchestral music, please consider checking out the link for a two-month free trial of Prime Phonic, a classical music streaming app with over 3.5 million tracks to choose from. Thanks as always for listening and joining me on this journey. Until next time.